everybody. Welcome to the Star Sit Down. My name is Kim Davis Jr., the podcast editor here at the Star, and I am so excited. This is going to be our first podcast for the 2021 school year, and yeah, we're going to be having good conversations, funny, serious. It's really all about educating one another. So for our first guest, we have the wonderful editor-in-chief of the University Star, Jaden Edison. Jaden, how's it going, man? Hey, I'm living the dream, doing my thing and everything in between. That's the motto. Dude, dude, good, man. So tell me, like, obviously, we've had a bunch of conversations over the summer about, like, the podcast, getting things going, the transition, everything's been on Zoom. Dude, like, what what has that been like for you in transitioning from, obviously, when I got hired here in March, like, you know, this is when really everything started. And, you know, we had to change all the positions and uh, you got put on as editor in May. So what has that been like for you going everything online and trying to do this position? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just been it's been a big adjustment in that usually, you know, when you take over a position like this, you know, you have the year to or not the year, but the summer essentially to build that in-person camaraderie with your team. I mean, this this position that really is rooted in a lot of trust, right? Like you're, you have a vision, you come in and you're sort of trusting, you know, the people that you hire in those respective positions to sort of help you bring that vision to life. And without that in-person component, um, it's been a lot challenging um, to adapt to a lot of things, been just everything being through Zoom, um, on phone calls. Um, and for the people, there were some people that returned to our staff that I had already been able to establish a relationship with. But that was great. Um, but a lot of other, you know, positions, it, it wasn't the case. So that was a big adjustment. But as far as the content and, like, the job itself, I mean, I've, I just took the approach of, like, this is just what it is, so you got to sort of make the best of it. And that was also a part of, like, my pitch to the to the advisory committee who eventually chose me to be editor-in-chief was that, you know, I understand sort of what's going on. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in a position to where I can help help us sort of navigate through it. So it's just been a big adjustment in that area. But I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is. That's sort of how I feel about it now. Um, and you just sort of make the best of it. But I do think um, the way we sort of handled it has been, you know, I, I couldn't have asked for, you know, a, a better, you know, transition considering the circumstances. So, I mean, it's been, it's been weird, but I mean, you just, you just take it day by day and you, you figure it out. And, um, you know, you sort of believe in like your capabilities and the vision. The hand has not been easy along the way, but you just sort of take it for what it is and take it day by day. So that's sort of been my approach, like throughout the whole thing, uh, throughout. But yeah, just man, like you know, you just you just sort of roll with the punches. That's sort of been my philosophy with it, and I think you know, uh, you know, I'm 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 still grateful for the opportunity to sort of be here and do what we do here. So that's the biggest thing. I uh, I I think you're right, and like you you do kind of just have to go with the punches, like um. It was it was kind of difficult, like in terms of like everybody like, bro, I haven't met you like in person yet. Like that's my <laughs> like, you know, and everything. And it's it's insane because like this is all I know about the star, you know, like through like Zoom and how I met everybody is through Zoom. And I'm 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 very curious as to what it's like going to be moving forward. Like, do you my 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 theory is honestly, is that we are probably going to go back to online by October. Like, do you think that's the, like, legitimate estimation of time? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's different, you know, talking to some of university officials throughout the summer, like, the university was very adamant about bringing students back to campus. Like, 
I remember, you know, being in conversations with, you know, President Trout and um, just uh, initially, like President Trout, you know, she she got word from students, that at least what she told me was that students didn't like being online. Like that was what the administration was hearing back in the spring semester. So the whole plan was bring students back and the faith and face masks really increased when it came to the administration. It was like, you know, we, we have all this new research that shows the effectiveness of face masks. So if every student can put a face mask on, then we'll be okay. And so that was sort of the, the message that we were getting from the administration, you know, President Trout, so on and so forth. Um, as far as like a, a man, like a time, I, I really don't know. I mean, you know, we've had an increase in, in cases um, since we've been back at school compared to um, the summer. But it's also not to the magnitude that other schools were witnessing when they first got back, such as like North Carolina and Michigan yeah. State and so on and so forth. Um, you know, and that's at least through what the university is reporting. Um, you know, that, that's the, what we know right now. So, man, I don't know. It, it, it really is tough. Like, I know the university genuinely, you know, they, they want this thing to work out just from having those conversations. I mean, but COVID-19 is unpredictable. So, it's, yeah. you know. You can have all these wishes and, and, and thoughts and whatnot, but ultimately you got to stick to what the facts are. And if the facts show eventually that, you know, if cases start to rise on campus and conditions are unsafe, then the responsible thing to do, you know, on behalf of the, you know, the university and the, and the university community is you're going to have to make that decision, you know, to keep students out of harm's way. So, you know, I, you know, me personally, you know, I, I want to be like, in person but at the same time i want to be safe so i understand that and i'm not you know I, i'm more of a realist than that i'm going to look at the numbers and the facts to sort of dictate how i move and how i go about things and until we get that vaccine it's really hard to, to keep students safe because students have their different tendencies to want to do what they want to do you get house fatigue and then you get you know then you want to go see this person and you know just a lot going on you know we're young we want to be active and that's just in the nature of like who we are as people so mm -hmm. yeah I man it's a, it's a lot it's a lot but I don't I don't know I I guess we'll just have to continue to see I, I have to see it to believe it you know for us to, to make the the online switch right now it, it seems like right now um through this first week of school um and through these first couple weeks of school it'll just be a thing of watching and seeing how those cases rise and from there you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think a big sentiment that like a lot of people like at Texas State have been having is like that disconnect that like the, the, the disconnect between like the administration and the students, because I know a lot of people from like my conversations, that like a lot of people feel like the school doesn't really care like about them and their safety. I know that their actions, like the road, the roadmap to the return, all these different things, like they're trying to make it seem like they do care but like a lot of people, they just feel like the school is really in it for money. And, you know, they're not really, they're prioritizing money over safety. Now, I, I haven't had the same conversations you've had with like the administration, trials, all these different people. But like, do you feel like that sentiment is like valid? And are they like taking that into consideration? Yeah, I think everybody's sort of entitled to their own opinions and whatnot. And, you know, my job, one, as journalists, right, I never get in, I'm never going to get into the 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 hey you're you're wrong and like i when i and this is in regards to, to dealing with the talking to the administration and through interviews and whatnot um you know i'm always gonna be truthful with how students are feeling right so when we get in these interviews with president trout and provost bourgeois and 
you know, you, Lisa Lloyd, you can go on and on and on up the, the administration ladder. I'm always going to be upfront with what the students are talking about. And the students have had that concern that, you know, maybe the university is afraid that it's going to lose out on a lot of money, right? Like the university was initially expecting an 8% drop in enrollment, which results in a loss of millions of dollars, right? So there is money at stake there, you know, and when I asked President Trout, you know, she told me um, that money has is, is never a factor in the, when it comes to this situation, this is solely, you know, what's best for students. And that's what I was told. Um, okay. But like I said, at the same time, the facts are the facts. And if you're anticipating dropping enrollment, you're losing out on millions of dollars, that's valuable money that, that, that you know, would go toward, you know, whether it's people's salaries or all these other different things, you know, the university is in a hiring freeze right now, right? So there is a lot at stake with, you know, COVID-19 and with everything going on. So, I mean, you just look at the facts. The university is losing out on a lot of money by if they by not having students on campus. So, I mean, I'm not going to get in the area and say that I think the university brought students back solely because of that reason. But, I mean, the facts say that. I mean, that's a part of the thinking in bringing students back to campus is trying to make sure that the university can stay afloat, right? And at the same time, I'm sure there also might be a balance, right? Of, you know, students want to, some students want to be in person, right? So yeah. I think, you know, it goes both ways, but really here's the thing I will say though, is that with the administration, no matter what decision the administration makes, there's always going to be a side of people that agree with it and people that don't, you know, there was this yeah. whole battle during the summer of, hey, President Charles, you need to close down Alcac Library. And there were other people that saying, no, leaving open is the right decision because you have students who don't have those resources at home to internet and computers and Wi-Fi and access and all those different things. So there is a battle of, you know, th there have been scenarios where, you know, you have to sort of look and, and from the perspective of the administration and say, okay, like this is a, a, a really tough decision. But at the same time, right, the administration has to look at things by for what they are, right? And look at the facts. And if the numbers tell you that it's not safe to have students back on campus, and the cases are continuing to rise and deaths continue to rise, then you get need to stick to what the science is, right? So that's sort of where I am, you know, across that. But like I said, as a journalist, my thing is when talking to the administration, I'm always going to bring forth what the students are talking about. And I'm going to be yeah. real about it. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, I like your point of view in that, like, I feel like today too many people are like one side or the other and they just stick with that. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like um, you presented like some new information to me about like the, the freeze and the 8%. I had no idea. I bet a lot of people didn't know that either. So I think um, there is a level like of understanding you have to be like in the middle and like, hey, this is affecting students, but this is also affecting the school and like budgets and everything like that. And um, what sucks about all this is like, it's such an unprecedented time, you know, like it's, it's insane. Like we, we haven't had to like deal with anything like this. And it's crazy to be honest. Cause I remember like I was in middle school when, when Ebola happened and I remember that and like everyone like made jokes and everything and we're like, ah, and then like in January, you know, like it's a completely different world now. And if you told me in January that this, this would be like the new normal, I would, I mean, I would believe you, but I'd be like, man, like really, you know what I'm saying? Right. You got to see it to believe it. Dude, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I think it was in one of, like, the quad talks, like, uh, earlier in the year that, like, you saw, like, all the people, like, man, like, it's not going to reach here. Like, it's in Seattle. 
Like, you know, we're, we're the United States. We're going we're gonna to have it under control. And I just, I think it's crazy, man. Like, genuinely, how, how have you, how has, like, this pandemic affected, like, you and your mental health? And, you know, having to stay inside and, and do a lot of things remotely throughout the summer. Yeah, I don't, I would, you know, I would say I'm, I'm a little different in regard. Like, I'm, I've always been one of those people that sort of just make the best of the situation, right? Like, that's sort of how I was. Like, I was in, I, I, I played sports in high school, right? So, like, we would go through these, like, terrible off seasons and things of that nature where it was, like, it was so hard. Like, I'm telling you, like, hard. Like, me and my best, some of my best friends still laugh about it today. Like, it was difficult. So, like, but that time, like, allowed me to sort of, you know, learn more about like myself and like what I can handle and whatnot um I know it sounds a little like cliche and like maybe like a little corny but genuinely like I think you know being able to go through that like throughout my high school years like it really helped me with like the mindset that I have now so like the pandemic has it didn't really change how I felt like mentally or anything it was just the thing of like it is what it is you do what you gotta do you know mm-hmm. and you know through the pandemic there were some highs too I mean like you know getting this position like that happened during the pandemic you know being you know, awarded, you know, different scholarships and stuff like that. Like, those were, like, great things that happened, right? So, you know, I had a birthday in the pandemic, like, June 13th. So, you know, stuff like that, you know, you, you know, you still have, like, these little, these little highlights throughout it. Um, but I wouldn't, it hasn't really, you know, it, it hasn't, it didn't negatively impact my mental health or anything. It was just a really an adjustment, you know, I, but I've always been, or at least since, you know, maybe high school, I, genuinely, I, I, I like I'm, I'm a, you know, I try to look at things like in a positive light. It's like, all right, we got this pandemic. What? How can I find a way to be like productive, like throughout this time? And for mm-hmm. that, I mean, for me, it's just been. I mean, really, it's just virtual. Now, I will say, like the spring semester was difficult, right? The latter half of it, doing everything online, that was the biggest challenge because you're also trying to balance the star, where news is more crucial now more than ever. So it's like trying to manage that and also be a student and stay, you know, stay, you know, uh, on a, on an equal level. That was the, that was the biggest challenge, but, you know, we figured it out. Right. So it just shows you that, you know, all this stuff is possible um, to, to sort of navigate through, but I would say, yeah, my mental health and it's been just, just the same in that, you know, just trying to look at everything in a positive light. Um, obviously a lot more phone calls and FaceTimes and zoom meetings more than I ever imagined I would ever, do um but you know i'm okay with that sometimes and then you know if whatever you can do safely you know you, you try to do it and, and do it as safe as possible so yeah it it hasn't really it hasn't negatively impacted at all it's just been more of a hey this is what it is now all right let's make the let's go get it right that's one of my old coach chip baker used to say go get it like that's sort of my approach to it so. mm-hmm. well it, another thing too like i'm very curious about you because like in the in the conversations we had, like you're a very like fascinating person to me, personally. Like yeah, you, you're the you're the second black editor in chief at the Star, and like one of the things I think about, like when when it comes to you and like when I hear you and like the meetings that we have is like, do you feel like that pressure, like in, in terms of like being the second black editor and like you know like us being black people, like one one kind of represents all of us in a sense, like if you if you did a bad job a lot of people would be like well i mean they would they would they would take your skin color into account as opposed to like if you were a white person you know so do you feel that pressure especially after you know you have a good relationship with carrington and you're very close to him the first black editor do you do you feel that yeah i don't think it's more i don't think it's necessarily 
pressure from maybe a little bit with the second black editor-in-chief and that's actually something i was talking about in the letter that i, that I wrote um to like the, the audience and whatnot for our back to, uh, back to school uh week yeah i talked about that a little bit in there but i think it's more so pressure being the second black editor-in-chief during the time we're in now right like i think if you didn't have everything that was going on with the murder of george floyd you know the most recent jacob blake situation and ahmaud arbery and all the countless other situations that have ha that have happened then i think you know you um it wouldn't feel as intense and, and i and i and i say that in like a a good way because i don't i don't I'm, it's not backing away from like i don't feel like i'm not doing anything out of the ordinary like i'm not trying to to i'm not faking it along the way like everything that i'm doing here is like genuine out of genuine care for the organization for you know black people and so on and so forth so you always want to to be able to set other black students and other black leaders up you know for success after you leave but really you know with these situations that have gone on it's sort of expedited the process in that you know there's a, a demand for things now like faster than they would have happened you know usually at the start right the summer is a time where you content slows down you know you're able to, there's more of a learning time right like you're going to make some mistakes but they're so subtle because nobody's around town like you know you're publishing probably one thing a week and then not including breaking news and whatnot um so you're able to learn you're able to slow down you know you're able to have that in-person interaction with everyone you know when we started when we started off you know in may 1st you know the first thing i put out was the first black documentary right um it was a documentary highlighting um three first black um, leaders in three big organizations on campus, including the STAR, which was Carrington Tatum, Corey Bimbo for student government, and Raven Ammons, um, Texas State Shredder. So you started off um, with that, and that was huge. And then you get to the end of May, and then you have the murder of George Floyd. And right away, it's like, oh, wow, like, this is like absolutely bizarre. And then people, then they, it got to this thing where usually these things have happened in recent years, where it's like a situation like Trayvon Martin or Mike Brown or Eric Garner and the list goes on, situations happen. But these aren't things that necessarily the star is going to cover, right? Like yeah. these are things that, you know, they're they're on, you know, they're in Ferguson, they're in, in Florida and all these other places. Um, but, you know, the star is so focused on this like hyper local like community is going to focus on San Marcos, Hayes County, Texas State. Well, this time around, things change drastically, right? Like this, these things were happening so often and they continue to happen like as we speak that people retire everywhere and people it became a time of reckoning where people were going to check the people within their local jurisdictions and you know their state governments and so on and so forth so you know you get that and i remember i never forget like i we had a, a, a friday meeting we call them our budget meetings we had a friday meeting um the week that george floyd was killed and i just wanted to have a conversation with the team about it because you know, I was thinking and I was seeing sort of the protests that were happening everywhere across um, the, the the country outside of outside of Minneapolis where where the where the murder happened and I was in my head I was like if this thing comes to San Marcos and there's a protest that happens in San Marcos we got to address it there's no way around it like we have to be out there and we have to cover it from top to bottom and just so happened the very next day we get in that meeting we start the conversation we get a tweet from someone um, who said something along the lines of the university star been hiding, they ain't said nothing about the George Floyd situation and blah, blah, blah. Are y'all, are y'all scared? Are y'all part of the problem too? 
And for me, I'm like, oh, you got me messed all the way up, right? <laughs> like, I'm like, 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 what? Like, do you know, like, like literally those literally feeling like, I'm not, you know, I'm like a black editor in chief, right? Like that doesn't happen very, like this, this affects me personally the way it affects you as well. And this is a black student that tweeted it. So from there, for me, that was a time where it was like, okay, like people really want to know, you know, what's going on in the community. They, they want us to be on top of it. And you go back to the whole point of pressure. Like, I mean, you, I'm not gonna lie. Like you do start to feel that because it's like these things are happening and you're, start, you're trying to learn, but at the same time, you got to be on top of it all. And then you get to the internal part of it is like, you have to address a hundred plus years of like institutionalized, like systemic racism within this own like organization, right? Like this organization, organization is not perfect at all. You know, you mean you talk about two black editor in chief and the paper has been around since 1911, like that's unacceptable. So, I mean, you feel that pressure in, in, in regard to, you know, you got a pandemic going on, you got the ongoing fight against racism going on, and then you got the biggest election of our lifetime that's about to happen in November. And you're a black editor-in-chief during this time, and you're the one that has to get it right. Yeah. There's, some, there's pressure that comes along with that. But at the same time, it's that same mentality of, all right, it is what it is. That's, that's, it's time to go get it, it is now. What okay. it like is. like yeah. that one tweet that they sent us, like sent me, that fired me up more than ever to be like, okay, like Did they at you I'm, or did they at the star? It was the star. It was a star. Oh, okay, got you. It, got know, it. And and I responded to the, the, the tweet um <laughs> from my own account and was like, with all due respect, we ain't hiding from nothing. That's pretty much what I was saying. We're not hiding from anything. Like we're gonna be covering we're gonna make a statement about the George we're gonna you know, go out and cover the protests that that's about to happen. And I forgot to mention that the person that tweeted it had also organized a protest the same day. So I okay. saw that and then I was like, okay, yep, we got, we're out there. And moving forward, this is, you know, this is what we're doing, you know? So that was a learning curve in that, you know, just because something's in Minnesota or, uh, excuse me, Minneapolis or something's in Florida or wherever, like, you know, if it's something that really impacts the community, then that's something that you can also cover. You know, I was just in this mindset that like, just because we're so focused on Texas State San Marcos, like if it doesn't come here, then we're not, you know, then maybe it's not something that we cover. But um, you know, time showed that you know this is impacting everybody, so it became a, a part of, of our agenda too at the start to make sure that we covered it appropriately. How do you? Because obviously we saw everything around the nation. I saw the pictures you uh, took at the at said protest, um, and it was really it was really empowering that like a lot of people, especially in our age group have become so active and vocal. Like I was talking to my dad about uh, like all this stuff going on. And he was telling me like, like your generation is like built different. Like y'all will go up to like police officers and like yell in your faces and like y'all aren't scared. Like we would not have done that, you know, back in the eighties or when we were young. And like, I'm just curious, I want to get your point of view as to where do you think we, what do you think we have to do going forward? Like, obviously we've seen these, these protests. I, my point of view, I think a lot of these looters and what a lot of people have been focusing on or were focusing on rather, were just like anarchists and like people opportunists because we're in a pandemic, unemployment is at a high, obviously people are going to be trying to steal. So where do you think we need, or what do you think rather we need to do to go forward, especially as young people and as journalists? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the million dollar question, I think, isn't it? It's like, and that's sort of something that I've actually struggled with is like, you know, I was talking to people who were protesting, um, 
back in um this would have been in this was a june protest i want to say like there was one week where there were like four or five protests like that week so like i was out there and just we were just having casual conversations with some of the people who were demonstrating i was asking them just because i was curious for myself as well as like you know the first thing when it comes to bringing the first thing is trying to bring awareness right so you think about like colin kaepernick like by kneeling he brought awareness to the situation even the people who didn't like what he was doing people he brought awareness to it and that it, he was kneeling for police against police brutality <clears throat> so you bring awareness to the issue you know you get out you start protesting and you know you know you make more noise and you do what you need to do in order to bring even more awareness to the issue then it's like from there then what happens is it are you depending on like congressmen and women to to fix the issues are you is it the elections or whatever and from there there's a space of people who just have a, a genuine distrust in like government and things have not changed right like i mean you talk about whether it's the republican democrat whatever it might be like things you know a lot a lot of people feel that the the, the political system has not done them any justice so you know martin luther king you know his his whole you know he had a quote that says you know a riot is the language of the unheard and like a lot of the riots and things that were happening um, you know, I think, you know, there was, you know, likely, you know, some level of, of a, a good portion of it, like, of, you know, like you were talking about, like, anarchists and whatnot, but some people who were just, also, there were people who were just frustrated, right? Like, people who just have had enough, and it's like, we've done everything. You want us to peacefully, peacefully protest, we've been peacefully protesting for over 100 years, yes. and nothing has changed. So, like, what do we do now, right? So, that's sort of that... Um, Man, it, it really, but it's going back to the question of where do we go from here? I mean, it, it really is tough because, man, like, I mean, you could say stuff like education, you could say stuff like, like protesting or whatever it is, but these things have been happening and things have not changed. And you could talk about getting out the vote, and that's the big thing now, you know, uh, you know, making sure, you know, you're getting out to, to vote during these elections to, to really, you know, push that change. Which I think to a certain extent, like voting, voting is important. Like, I don't want to get that mixed. Like, yeah. you know, as, from a state level, from a county level, you know, electing county sheriffs and prosecutors and so on and so forth. Like those things are, are like really important. Uh, there's more that needs to happen. And this, these things are like so like systemic, right? These things are so rooted in like who we are as like a nation that there's nothing that we can undo in the next two, three, four, five years, right? Like, and like you're talking about 400 plus years of like systemic racism and you know there are conversations now of like like we this generation we feel like we have to undo well i mean we 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 need to undo all of it but you know we it's it's such a a large task and something that's going to take a lot longer than you know it's going to go beyond us being alive right it's going to go into our kids and kids and kids and it's going to be a battle they're going to continue to fight but it really is hard. And that's something that I'm still trying to figure out myself is like, where do we go? Because, I mean, even you talk about some of the things that have happened this summer. All the pro, you you would think that after all these protests, after everything that's happened, you know, the calls to, to you know, allocate funds, take some funds away from the police and put them toward other places like education or whatnot, you would think that these things, you know, police officers and institutions would be like, okay, we're going to get it right. And then the other day you see the, the shooting of Jacob Blake. Yeah, how did how did how did you initially react? Like when I saw that video, like I I heard you say it the other day. Like you only watched it once. I can only watch it once, 
just because like it, it gets so old it gets really tiring you know seeing this over and over again and i'm saying that obviously like as a, as a black man because you it, it feels different i feel like when you could see yourself in that situation you know when it's right. not just like man i can't believe this happened to him it's more of like like that could happen to me like you know what i mean so what was your immediate reaction upon seeing that? Yeah, and, and Jacob Blake in particular, yeah, it was really, I saw it on my phone and I, I really just looked at it. And once I saw it, I, it was just like a, I just shook my head. Like it was like a, it was more of like an internal, like a, dang, like, yeah. you know, like that that's sort of how, and it's, it's just, it's just sad, right? Because I mean, you look like seeing the George Floyd video, like that one was like, man, like just sitting there watching that. Like, yeah, I was angry. It makes you, it makes you angry. That's what I was about yeah, to say. I was it makes angry. You angry inside. And then you see this, and it's like we literally just, we just, it's like we just, it's like one of those things, like when you're like you tell it, like when your parents tell you something once, and then you do the same thing over again, and then they yell it. Like that's how it sounds. Like we just told you, we we just had this conversation. So yeah. What What are we not getting right now? So that was sort of more of that feeling. Then seeing the things, you know, seeing the things, the demonstrations in the the sports leagues, like the NBA, and then seeing some of the the analysts talk about it, like, you know, just just hearing some of those things, it was just like, it was more frustrating, man. It's like, and we, you know, we all summer people have been out in the streets protesting, and you know, they've been in their respective organizations, you know, demanding change, and there's been a reckoning across every institution you could think of and this then you just it's like it's like you take 10 you think you're taking 10 steps forward like people are finally like beginning to get it and then this happens and it's like well start all over again so what i one thing i i'm very very happy about is that he's alive i think that that's huge right and uh, he can have his story told yeah it it does a lot and um i think at the time we're recording this, we don't know like what's going to happen, how his recovery is going to be. We know he's paralyzed, but you know, this is, this, this is come. this, we're recording this days before, but um, I'm really excited to hear what he has to say and what type of stuff can come from this. Cause I don't really know how you can fix like this type of situation in terms of policing. I know like we can talk about like qualified immunity in the courts and unions and, and their impact on policing. But I mean, for to to give you some background, like both my parents were were cops, like they were both sergeants, and like you know now it's like obviously I I never wanted to become a cop, and now like I'm I'm seeing cops differently, and it's just it's really hard to maintain like in the middle, you know, because at the same time like I'm angry, you know, and like even my parents like if I if I was to get pulled over they would fear for my life, and both of them were cops, so it's. <sighs> It's really hard in the situation and, and like genuinely, I don't know how we could fix a problem like this. You know what I'm saying? I, I definitely know it's not gonna happen under this president. So I mean we'll have to wait and see. But like it just it's crazy, man. No, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean it's it, it's tough. And then you talk about sort of being a journalist, right? Where, you know, there's first of all the journalism you know when you're going to journalism school they try to teach you this whole notion of like objectivity like this false notion that you could somehow not be not show any bias toward anything so as a black man you expect me to see something like the murder of george floyd and report that down the middle like what you know like there's this whole notion so that's been challenged and you know a lot of newsrooms are, are having these conversations of like what objectivity really means and what 
fairness really means and, and all these different things. So those are a lot of things that, you, you know, you, you think about during these times. Um, but, and it, it, it's been a roller coaster. And like, I haven't, you know, I, I'll, I followed the Trayvon Martin uh, case or the case and the George Zimmerman trial. Like I watched the trial. I was in Chicago that summer. I watched the trial every single day from sunup to sundown. I was watching like the, the after shows, like with, um, with Nancy Drew and uh, Anderson Cooper. And I was like, I followed that. And I saw that, like, that was like my OJ Simpson case, like for like that generation. Like, this, for my, for me, there was a Trayvon Martin case. You know, you see all that, but even like seeing that, like, this is, I've never seen anything like what, what's happening right now. Like as far as the reaction, I mean, you had, um, you know, in Missouri, um, you know, with, with, with Mike Brown and Ferguson, um, you know, you, you saw the, the protest and whatnot, and you saw, you know, the clashes with police and all those things, but it seemed like, it, and I'm, I'm sure there were things that were happening everywhere else, but it just seemed like it was very, like, relative to, like, Ferguson. Yeah. But now, it's just everywhere. And San Marcos is happening, right, where it's like people are fed up, and people are, you know, they're, and, until the problems get fixed, we're going to continue, people are going to continue to, to, to cause to to raise hell right and that's sort of it almost you almost start to think like what is the other alternative because the same things have been yeah. happening time after time no yeah i agree it's like <laughs> the people that say like peaceful protesting is the way it's like that's not going to do anything if they know like they like you can just be quiet and like they could just keep doing what they're doing you know what i'm saying like obviously i feel like the people that say like you know the government isn't going to do anything like, you know, with them, you know, destroying stuff or being really loud about it. It's like, bro, if you like get in their faces and be like, hey, like we can affect you, like they're going to have to change. You know what I mean? So obviously, like I'm a big fan of peaceful protest, but to an extent, like peace can only make so much change. You know, there has to be yeah. a little push. No, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, and I, I think the biggest thing is just like people are going to respond how they respond to these situations. Like you're talking about people's fathers, mothers, you know, brothers, sisters, family members, friend, best friends, like getting killed, like by police. And this is not new. Like this has been happening forever. So it's not like this is the first time this happened. This is a rare occurrence. And it's like, why is everybody responding this way? And like, like, no, if you don't know why people are responding the way they're responding now, then that's just like willful, like ignorance at this point. I mean, and, there's a person in a, a place of privilege or a person in place of power should not be telling people, you know, how they should and should not respond to something. Like, I mean, you can make the argument, you know, you can have whatever feelings you have about people, you know, looting and doing all these other things and whether it sends them on fire. Like, you can have your different, like, people are entitled to their opinion, but you do not have the right to tell people how they should and should not be responding when you haven't been impacted the way they've been impacted, right? Like that is, is I, that's one thing that I've just seen is that there's that there's a misunderstanding that, you know, like I said, it, it's different, right? If somebody, if somebody within the black community says, hey, I don't think this is the way we should go about it. That's a, that's a conversation that people within the black community can have, right? Like you're gonna have that conversation. But for someone who's been living up in the hills who's been, who hasn't been impacted by these things, you know, who, who was raised, you know, in a wealthy family, or if not raised in a wealthy family, even if, you know, you're talking about a family that maybe have, may have been impoverished, but they still have 
the privilege, right, to, to maneuver through that and come back from those harsh circumstances. If you've been through that, then you are not in a, in a place to tell Black people and people in marginalized communities how they should and should not be feeling or how they should and should not be responding. Everybody's responding in their own way. And these things have been happening for so long that it's like, you know, it is a thing of like, how are we supposed to respond, right? And that's not me. I'm not, I'm not saying that I support people looting or I support, I am all in on just the act of peaceful protest. What I'm saying is people have the right to feel how they feel and respond how they respond. And that's just yeah. the sort of way I approach it. Like, I'm not gonna condemn anybody for responding the way they respond because that's the way they feel. And I mean, it's justified either way. You know, this, this is, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years of, of wrongdoing, oppression, prejudice, discrimination, slavery, like any, whatever you want to call it, right? Like these things have been going on forever. So, you know, now people have just had enough and, and they're responding the way they, they see fit. And to piggyback on what you said, I don't, I don't like, obviously I, I won't, I don't want people to like, you know, loot and do all these things. But like you said, like you have a right to feel this way. Like you have a right to be angry and react however you want to react, you know? And I don't, I don't think um, people in positions of power should be able to take that from, you know, the people that are reacting, especially like you said, like, this isn't like new, like this has been happening and happening and happening. This was just the last straw. And um, it's, it's, it was very interesting in like my time or not, not necessarily my time, but like when this was happening in the moment, seeing the different sides of the media coverage of this like event and like, you know, there are people on the right who are like, you know, really against it. And like, you know, what are you guys doing? Like, why are you doing this? This is wrong. And like, there were some, some people not necessarily going to say outlets, but some people were trying to say, you know, he had it coming, look at his past this, that, and the other, which I, I can't stand. I, I don't like that at all. But it was just so fascinating seeing how polarizing and it really revealed a lot of people's true colors in my eyes. And I'm thankful I didn't have a lot of people I had to like cut out of my life. But there were some where I was like, eh, you're not like, why it shouldn't be on the fence about this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, nah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, it's tough, right? And like for me, you know, I, I was able, uh, you know, being in uh, the Woodlands, Texas, like around high school, Oak Ridge High School, you know, it was a very diverse, uh, oh, I played sports, right? So our football team was like very diverse. And like some of my best friends growing up were white people and some, and, you know, others were black or Hispanic or whatever it may be. But, you know, these are people who were raised in way different circumstances than, you know, how I was raised and how other people were raised. Um, and then you get to times like these, you know, you build, establish these relationships and then you see something problematic, right? And it's like, you don't know how to really feel. It's like, you know, I know, like, I know you, like, we've spent so much time together. Like, I know, like, deep down, like, I, like you're, you're a good person. I don't know if you're confused. Like, you get into that battle of, like, man, like, is, is this something that I just need to genuinely sit down with this person and, like, explain? Or is it just, like, they're just, like it's you know you see what I'm saying like there's that internal battle of like you know I definitely see what you're saying and that that's been a tough thing you know for me is just seeing some because I mean you I've had I've had people that I know that I'm some that I like really close with some people that come to my birthday dinners every year right like stuff like that who you see you know might say something problematic along those lines and it's like really like it's almost like a betrayal like it feels like it's like I thought yeah no I I thought you were were better than that (laughs) yeah I mean it's tough and then at the same time you know I'm all, I think 
I'm, I'm black people were naturally like we're, we're forgiving like we're, we we were we were almost like made to be compassionate individuals like you're talking about 400 years of oppression and slavery and wrongdoing and we still try to find a way to like contribute to society and we still like love this country and in some ways it doesn't always like love us back like we're we're built that way so like for me it's like you see that and it's like okay like I'm gonna try to like put this aside like I know like we've always had good experiences together um I know you've always respected me you've always invited me into your household to spend time with your family at the same time then you, you see it and you just keep thinking about it it just bothers you and it's like I don't I just can't be associated with that. You know? I, I feel you. I had to like some of my friends, like my white friends who I've been friends with for a long time, you know, and like they hadn't really spoken out. And like, you know, I just asked them straight up, like, you know, why haven't you said anything? And some people were like, you know, I don't really feel like I have to, like I shouldn't have to. And I was like, okay. And then there were others where there was like, hey, dude, like I just genuinely don't really know what to do. If you could help me, like, I'd, I'd love to, but I just wasn't confused. I didn't know, like, if I had a place or if I should stay out of it. And I feel like that's that's the difference, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. And, you know, it's like that the whole notion of, like, silence is compliance, you know, during times like these. So, you know, some people, you know, they take the time. They might not say anything, and they feel like by not saying anything, then they're not a part of the problem, right? Which now, you know, the way I mean, you talking about sort of how we change this, I think, like I said, I don't have the answer, but I think part of it at some point has to be that the oppressors, like the people within, you know, these these communities that aren't being affected by these things, have to speak out, right, and and, and support, you know, these communities, like the Black community and the Latinx community and all these other communities that, you know, have been marginalized for so long. Like it, it's going to take that because you know for for white people to check their, check their counterparts and check their peers and and check their family members and have those conversations and say, hey, the way you're going about this is, like, the, the way you think right now is, is not appropriate. It's not acceptable. And, like, they have to have those conversations internally like, for that to happen. So, you know, I will say, like, as much negative that's come out of it, like, from a standpoint of, like, people that you, you thought were one way and changed, I will say, like, some the friends, who've like just further proven what you had already believed about them of like them being genuine and solid people that's also increased as well where it's like man like like people who have like people who i've always loved and then now you see them stepping out and saying oh hell we 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 i'm with you 100 i'm riding with you like yeah like friend text me friend text me somewhere else and i'm gonna protest with you if you're trying to go do that like that makes you feel good too and that's just for me that gives me a little bit of, of hope that this thing does move forward you know i remember it's a little small anecdote, but I, you know, I was seeing a video. This is, a, I think, this is the one, and I'm not a very like, like, like emotional. If I get emotional, it's probably gonna be more internal, right? Like I, I'm not, I don't really show it very well. But the one time I was say throughout this whole situation where it did start, like I was like almost like brought me to tears, was like watching the situation in Flint, and there were the the white officer in Flint. He was around all the the the, the black folks in the community, and he was like, hey. I mean, I, I know they're doing this there, but I'm here with you. And I'm about to, you know, I will, this doesn't mean, I'm, I will I'm, I will march with you. I'm going to be here with you and so on and so forth. And I just saw it and I was like, bro, that's literally all we're asking for is that you just, un, you just, like, you're never going to understand because you're not a part of it. But like, like try to understand, like try, like put, put in the effort to really see 
like what the underlying like issue is and help us address it. Like I seeing that was like, man, like that's when I was like, damn, like that's really all that's what that's literally doing that can mean so much, but it just doesn't happen because people are stuck in their own bubbles. And, you know, that's sort of what we're seeing right now and um, throughout this country. So, I think that's, uh, that's, that's, a, that's one of the great things about this. Obviously there's a lot of negativity and, you know, it's hard to try and be optimistic during like this time, especially like with all the racism and, and seeing all these different pods and people like in denial, it is really encouraging to see like a lot of people are like, Oh, like I understand, I understand more now, you know, like last year I would have never thought about it this way. And now it's like, dude, like I get it, you know? And I think uh, the national conversation about race has definitely taken a huge step forward. You know, I think those are some of the big things I think that are the good that came from the bad, you know? And um, I, I can't remember if that's the video I saw, uh, but I did see some videos like that, you know, and it was really, it was really comforting. Uh, but then there were, there were also some where it's like the cops, they would, um, they would like do something one day with like the people and then the next day they would be just back to the way they were. So, I mean, it's really tough. Um, hopefully we could take more steps forward in the future. I mean, uh, I'm curious, like, did it really like shock you? Cause earlier in the summer, you know, when all of this stuff was happening, you like, you know, talked to the black staff at the star and I'm not going to say like the number, but it's very small. It's not, it's not very big. And when I saw, I was like, Jesus, like, this is it, you know, like, this is crazy. And then you look at like how many people are at the star and you're like, this is insane. Like I would have never known, you know, how like how how should we go about like bringing more black people and more diversity to the star moving forward? Yeah, well, I think the number it was like eight. Whenever you, uh, whenever I didn't want to, I didn't want to say it. I didn't know if I should say it like all day, but like, yeah. No, nah, it was like eight. Whenever that happened, whenever you know we had that meeting, but um, yeah, I mean it's crazy. I mean, and that, I mean that's the million dollar question, right? I mean that's something that you talk about. You talked about the pressure thing earlier. Like I think you do feel it in that regard, in there. You know, I'm not going to be here. I can, I'm only going to be here for a year, right? Like, when May 1st comes around next year, like, my term is up, and I'm, I got to graduate, and I got to move on with my life and, and do what I do. But, uh, you know, from a legacy, like, you get to this point now, like, being at the star. I've been at the star since January 2018. Like you've been here this long. You know, now you start getting the thoughts of, like, legacy, right? Like, going into that last year, like, this is the last time to sort of leave behind a legacy, right? And it could be something that, people remember um, in, in like good context or or do you, are you going to be remember somebody who didn't address the issues at hand? So like there is pressure in that regard. Um, but as far as like bringing more black, you know, black students here, I mean, it, you know, has been the whole, you know, battle in that, you know, it, there's a lot of different factors, right? I mean, you look at the School of Journalism and Mass Communication, which is what I always said is that you know, most of your most of your students that work at the Star are going to be within like the mass communication journalism field up at SJMC, and the SJMC doesn't have the faculty that reflect sort of that reflect reality, right? Like, if, if all the faculty, if, if if Dr. Lloyd Fluker is the only black, the only black woman, the only black person, you know, on your team that can relate to black students, like that's an issue, and that's something I've always said. Um, and, and that has an impact on people. Like one, I had Dr. Flugel for a class 
and seeing her talk about the importance of student media and see how passionate she was about it was was sort of a factor in me even like coming to join the star. I, it's not the only factor, but it, I mean, it was a part of it. So there are black students who are gonna come and won't have that experience. And there may be black students who come through SJMC and learn about this field and what it's about. And they may say, hey, there is no space for me. Like this seems very white, this seems very odd. Like this isn't for me, I'm gonna go somewhere else. I'm gonna go somewhere else where I feel like I'm, I'm represented properly. So that has an impact on it. But as far as us, you know, there's a, you know, talking to, you know, I, I've had these conversations with, you know, sort of Carrington before um, and just doing that. And a lot of it does come down to active recruitment, right? And going out and finding, you know, people and having these conversations, like the same conversation that we're having, like same conversations, you know, out there with the community and different organizations. And, and also the content matters too, right? Like what content are, are we producing that accurately reflects like this community? That's why the first black documentary was so important. The first that was there's something that I you know I'm so happy with you know to this day, um, you know that documentary and, and you know what all went into it and, and what it sort of means. I think it I think it even means more now than it did whenever it came out in May. But that's why things like that are important, right? Like you know those those are all things that the black students see, and when they you know feel that they can come in and and, and find a way to succeed and whatnot, then I think they'll be more willing, you know, to, to do that. But it does come down to active recruitment. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, right? I mean, like, you talk about the pandemic, like me actually getting to go out and actually talk to people in person on campus at organization meetings, which are not happening in person and things of that nature. Like, you know, that's that. But also, I think you can get in the area of like, you can almost feel, um, make it like almost feel like in this position, you have so much going on that you can have a tendency to let that be an excuse, right? Like you have the thought in the back of your head where it's like, this is such a big issue that I know I need to address. But since we got the pandemic, you know, I, you know, that that's an excuse for me. Like, we, there's nobody in person. Like, I don't have that. I'll, I'll figure it out whenever it comes. But it's been an internal battle for me. And like, you know, it, you know, you only have so much time. So, you know, that's something that we do have to address. And it's something that I have to really, you know, as as we, you know, move, as we get going here for this fall semester, is to really get out there and whether it's virtual meetings and, or, you know, whatever, wherever you, wherever you, you know, encounter, and you, and you talk to the black students, um, but really having these conversations. So that's something that we're gonna have to take on. And the black students that we do have here, like, you know, you and others that are, you know, might be younger, is like creating that lane, you know, to do stuff like, like we're doing right now and, and stuff like that. And after I leave, you know, my hope is that, you know, it continues to, to, to roll on and, you know, we, you know, we have that established, right? Cause, you know, Carrington was the first black editor, you know, editor in chief, so he hired me um, when he was an opinion editor in 2018. So, and he's helped me, you know, he was the one to advocate for me to be assistant multimedia editor. And then when he left that, you know, that helped me get up to multimedia editor. And then that set me up to be editor in chief. So like, that's sort of what has to happen, right? It's like, I want that to be the norm, right? Like we want, you know, you get here and you have a space to continue to move up. At the same time, you know, I was talking to, um, someone who, a professor on campus who I love. Uh, she's a phenomenal, I've done some photography work for the accounting club in McCoy, but named Dr. Khan, and, you know, we were talking and she sent me an email, you know, and she said something along the lines of like, you're not gonna be able to change racism in a year. Like it's not gonna happen, but what you can do is continue to move the ball forward. And hearing that, you know, that, that helped me a little bit because it's like, you do sort of feel like you have to undo a hundred plus years of what the norm has been for so long. But knowing that some people sort of understand what's going on here and, you know, how much really does go into it, 
um, you know, that helps me a little bit. But I, the task is big, but it's not just me. And I got to realize that in that. This is something that you got to, I have to hold everybody accountable to, to help me with this, right? Like, this is something the job of everybody, even white staff members. So, yeah, that's sort of where, yeah, where I'm at with that. Well, I will say, you know, friend to friend, I think you have been doing a, a good job thus far. Like, um, like I hear like the story about like Carrington and you and how he helped you. And it's kind of funny because like he said me to you, he was like, you know, I, I met him at a, at, a, at a career fair. And like, you know, like I wasn't even going to go that day. A friend of mine, we were leaving uh, FDOM. We were leaving that class. And she was like, hey, you know, you want to come to the career fair? I was like, yeah, you know, I'll give it a shot. I didn't even know it was that day. And we went and I saw Carrington. And I was like, hey, because I, I met him at um, uh, like a hearing about like HBCUs versus like PWIs. And he was just like on that panel and he was just talking about it. And I saw him, I was like, hey, you know, like I met you here. Like I really, it was nice to hear you. Like, you know, you're really smart. I'm happy you carry yourself in this way. And like you set a good example for other people about like black people and you making us all look good by like the work that you're doing. So I was just like, thank you. And he was like, hey, you know, like, what's your name? You know, like, what do you do? And I just told him, you know, about like my credentials and stuff. And he uh, he was like, let me, I'm going to send you to Jaden. Like, because I tried, I tried to apply uh, in the fall, last fall, but I just, I never right. made it through. And he was like, man, let me send you to Jaden. Like, we're going to, like, you, you should be at the star. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll try. You know, I don't know if he's like, mm, no, like, you're going to be at the star. Like, don't worry. I'm, I'll get you in there. And then like with you and then like, you know, starting out in multimedia and then finding my way here, you know, it's a, it's a blessing. And I will say like, from my experience that you, you've done a good job in like passing the torch and just setting up that next generation. And, um, you know, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. That's what it's all about, man. You know, character, you know, that's somebody who I feel, you know, I think that's sort of what it is too. Like even when I leave here is like still being a resource to, you know, black students, sort of how, you know, me and Karen, you know, we have a really, you know, I call him all the time. We talk all the time just about journalism and, you know, stuff like that as well. So, and it's important, you know, it's just, we, we got to look out for one, we got to look out for one another, everybody, you know, all black people, right? It's already hard. So, you know, we got to look out for one another and, that, and that's sort of, that's sort of how, how I see it, right? And that's, that's what this is all about. And even as I leave, you know, always being a resource to whoever, whoever calls, whoever needs anything, like, you know, being able to provide, that's the next level right after you leave, right? It's, yeah. it's giving back, right? And, and passing down the things that you learn once you do leave. So, yeah. Well, Jaden, I had a lot of fun with you. We're almost out of time. I'm going to let you go home and get some sleep, get some food. <laughs> I know you're hungry. So, uh, doing all right. <laughs> but uh, I had a pleasure having you on, bro. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. And, uh, I'm excited for, you know, the star sit down and everything that we're going to be able to make and produce over this upcoming year. So uh, thank you. Likewise. Thanks for uh, allowing us. Well, I guess this is a little history. This is the first episode. Let me be a part of history. So I appreciate <laughs> it. And I'm looking forward. We're going to continue to keep this thing flowing and rolling and uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, appreciate it, man. It's been, it's been fun. All right, dog. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Peace. Peace.